0: Our scripture reading today comes from john eleven thirty eight to 44 if you would open in your bibles or devices with me or share with someone next to you then jesus deeply moved again came to the tomb it was a cave and a stone lay against it jesus said take away the stone martha the sister of the dead man said to him lord by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord.
1: What a figure Jesus is in all of history. If you were here with us Friday night, where we talked about the death of Lazarus and Jesus arriving at Lazarus' funeral... And wept over his friend's death. What a figure in all of history Jesus of Nazareth is. To weep over death and then show his power over it. What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus, who proclaimed, who self proclaimed that he was the Jewish Messiah and the Son of God, do you believe that he rose from the dead? I'm just going to be very upfront. Let's just get it out of the way right away. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? The resurrection is, is Christianity's fundamental fact. You don't have Christianity without Jesus bodily rising from the dead. Maybe you're here today because you love the friend that invited you. Or you loved the relative that invited you. And in some way, even in a good way, you're kind of under obligation or compulsion to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, Maybe if you're in that category, uh, you're not sure what to make of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's okay. Uh, A lot of people, most of the people in this room at some point in our lives didn't know what to make of Jesus. Maybe you consider yourself to be a Christian. But this whole issue with his resurrection is still something that puzzles you. And you kind of scratch your head and you wonder. It's very normal. Let me just start by saying this. It's very normal to doubt. It's very, it's very commonplace to doubt the resurrection or to disbelieve it altogether. And actually, it takes nothing less than a miracle to believe in it takes nothing less than a miracle of God to free you from your doubt. I better define what I mean by a miracle. Uh, What I mean by miracles is how the Bible and the biblical authors portray miracles. When I say miracle, I don't mean magic, and I don't mean a mystical experience. What I mean by a miracle is this, a supernatural act of our creator influencing nature without violating its laws. Our creator can influence nature, can have his will upon nature, upon the normal order, the natural order of things without violating them at the same time. And by the way, you and I do this all the time. If you've ever driven an automobile across a bridge, if you've ever taken medicine when you're sick, you have participated in the human activity of enforcing and manipulating our will upon the natural order of things without violating the natural order of things. Why can't the creator do the very same thing in the ways that he is able to do? Miracles, now again, I'm talking about biblical miracles, as Christianity understands miracles. Miracles are are God's way This is what it's about, because you read the Bible, you get bored sometimes, you fall asleep, and you go, oh, the miracles are here to kind of spice things up and keep us interested. Well, actually, here's what miracles are for. This is how the Bible explains why miracles are a part of, at rare occasions throughout human history, why miracles are a part of time and space. They authenticate a message. Miracles authenticate a message and the messenger bringing the message to you. And John's gospel is very explicit about this in uh, what Faith just read earlier from John chapter 11. Jesus at his friend Lazarus' funeral. And Jesus said this, Father, he prayed to, he's God, but God the Son. And so he's praying to his heavenly Father as a human being, as a man. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you have sent me. You see it right there, Jesus beginning to act, not because he has any doubt, but because the people around him have doubt. And what he is about to say and what he is about to do is so that they might believe that God, the creator, sent him to them. There you have it. That's the purpose of miracles in the Bible. John's gospel explicitly states this at the very end. If you look at John chapter 20, the author of this gospel just comes right out and says, this is why I've written this account of my Lord Jesus, my friend Jesus' life. These signs, John refers to miracles, Jesus' miracles as signs. He wrote, these signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So the purpose of all signs or miracles, biblically speaking, is to authenticate those who speak for God. Mir- miracles authenticate the messenger and what the messenger is saying. Or authenticate the act the mir- that, that's taken place. This is a person who is speaking from God, who has come from God. And this is true of all the miracles from Moses and the prophets all the way up to Jesus Christ and his apostles. The greatest miracle, of course, being Christ's own bodily resurrection. Now, here's the thing about Lazarus. He would die again, right? He would die just like you and I are going to die. But when Jesus rose from the dead, it was the beginning of something new. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was the beginning of a new kind of human being. Read the accounts, you'll see. He appears to his apostles, he appears to his his friends and associates. Uh, History tells us over 500 people saw him at the same time. But read the end of all the Gospels. Although Jesus rose physically... Biologically, there was something different and unique about his body. The risen Jesus Christ is the beginning of a new type of humanity. And that's what the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest sign of his victory over death. And those who trust Jesus, their impending victory over it as well. Now, Christianity teaches the restoration of life nothing less, but the restoration of life spiritual life and physical life. Despite the concept of entropy and decay, decomposition, which we see taking place all all around us and all over the universe, despite all of that, the Bible teaches that the creator will renew creation, will physically renew and restore it. The Apostle Paul in, in his letter to the Romans said, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The whole creation, Paul said, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. So you see there, Christianity teaches that God is going to physically restore the human race and creation itself. But equally to that, and and really more critically, Christianity teaches that our spirits will be restored as well. The part of us that doesn't die when our physical body dies, that part of us, the essence of who you are, although you are a body also, but your spirit, the restoration of your spirit, the renewal of your spirit in reconciliation with your creator. The apostle Paul, again, he wrote to Christians in Ephesus, and he said this, and he's speaking spiritually now. He's not just talking about physical death. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is what the Bible describes as spiritual death. We're separated from our Creator. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see there that what is happening is there is a physical death and there is a spiritual death. And what Jesus was proclaiming when he walked on the earth was that he had come to do two things, to resuscitate the creation physically and to resuscitate dead souls spiritually. John, in in another letter he wrote, the book of Revelation, said that he was given a vision by Jesus of what was going to come, which hasn't happened yet, by the way. Listen to this. He said, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Spiritual life and reconciliation with your creator and with one another. So the, the physical, biological resuscitation from the dead. Remember, he's, four, he's dead four days. That means really, really, really dead. To the ancients, four days meant, wow, he's really dead. He's not going to wake up now. So John makes it very clear that this is a miracle. Really, 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 really dead Lazarus. Okay? And Jesus cries out in a loud voice so that everybody can hear, Lazarus come out. John's making it abundantly clear. This isn't a metaphor. It's not an allegory. Jesus and the writers of the Bible never intended these miracles to be understood as allegories or metaphors or nonsense. The stakes are too high for humanity. They meant them to be taken quite literally. And so when Jesus resuscitated Lazarus from the dead, it was a sign of both this physical rebirth that Jesus has within him and the spiritual rebirth that Jesus has within him. And so Christ's resurrection, because that's the big one, Lazarus, Lazarus coming out of the tomb uh, was just another sign for the greatest sign. And that's when Jesus of Nazareth came out of a tomb. That resurrection is the sign that what happened to Lazarus And really what happened to Jesus is going to happen to you if you find yourself associated with Jesus as your representative, as the human being who alone can represent you in the presence of your holy, perfect, wonderful creator without Christ as our representative, without this new man, with this new physical and spiritual life representing us, the Bible said we don't have a chance. We die a physical death and we die a spiritual death. But in Christ, with Christ, we have the hope of resurrection and we have the hope of reconciliation with God and we become a part of the restoration of humanity and the restoration of all creation. Laid out for you, that's what the resurrection of Jesus means. That's what Easter is all about. And if you take that part away, there really is no Christianity. Now look, every, I know, everyone wrestles with doubt or unbelief. In some way, we're all wrestling with all-out unbelief in this, or we struggle to comprehend it as modern, post-modern really. It's probably worse than postmodern now. Post-post-modern Westerners. Look, it's, it's very real and it's very honest to say, I just, I struggle with this. I struggle to believe this. After all, think about it. Read the passage in John 11 again. Everybody there around Jesus, we're not looking at Jesus. Everybody looking at Jesus doubted him too at that moment. We see that all the, all the Jewish mourners that were there mourning and weeping with the family for, for a 30-day period, they said, why can't this guy who healed a blind man why couldn't he have prevented his friend's death? And Mary and Martha who knew Jesus well, who loved him well. Mary and Martha basically said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus said to them, "Hey, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believed? Do you believe that I in the resurrection and the life? That if you die but believe in me, so shall you live." And they said, yeah, 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 we believe, we believe. We know that, that in the end, when God comes back and restores all things, our brother's going to rise up from the dead. Yep. But that's not what he meant. They didn't fully believe him. The people around him fully didn't believe him. Of course we're going to struggle to trust in the power of God, to even work in history, in time and space. But I want to encourage you, your doubt over this thing, Or over things like this, as Christianity records them, your doubt doesn't make it any less true. And that's a good thing. That wasn't an insult. You doubting these things does not make them any less true. Frankly, there's only one person's belief that really matters. There's only one person's belief that really matters. And out of that belief flows your belief. Jesus alone had perfect, unwavering faith. Yes, he was the son of God, but he was the son of man too. As a human being like you, like me, he believed and trusted in his heavenly father perfectly. I'll show you. Back to John chapter 11. I'll go right to the same verse that I quoted for you earlier, but I'm going to emphasize a different part of it. When he prayed out to God, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. But I'm emphasizing the first part of that prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Remember, Lazarus is still in the tomb at this point, And Jesus is already thanking his heavenly father for answering his prayer. Jesus believed perfectly as a human, as a man in the power of God. Every person, every person is unlike Jesus in the sense that we struggle and doubt our creator. If you're here today and you're like, yeah, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, great. But you doubt God in other ways. You struggle to trust him in some of the most mundane, practical ways every day of your life. That's part of what the human predicament is. We're kind of wired... To not trust God. Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 say something about that. But Jesus was the only one who ever truly believed. He's the only one that ever perfectly, truly trusted in the Creator. So every person needs a miracle to trust God. Jesus was the only person who didn't need a miracle to trust his heavenly father. You do. You actually need a miracle of the creator to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. No, I don't care how much science and historical evidence and, um, and, and I don't care how much litigation through archeology span and biblical history I could prove to you. Ultimately, you need a miracle of the creator to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You need a miracle of God to believe anything that God has said and done. Every person needs a miracle to trust God. And here's the biggest miracle, the resuscitation of your dead soul to finally be able to love your creator and participate in this new thing that he has been doing ever since Jesus came out of the grave. Everybody needs a miracle to trust God and what God has done, except for Jesus. And there's only one reason Jesus didn't need a miracle to trust his heavenly father, because he came from God. He came from God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. Because God the Father and I are one. So there you go. And I'm going I'm to close by suggesting something really simple and very crazy, maybe. I'm just going to suggest that you ask God for faith. I'm going to... Suggest that all of us, because some of you are struggling to believe in the resurrection of the Son of God. But some of you are struggling to believe that the risen Son of God is going to help you get through whatever you're afraid of dealing with tomorrow. Or whoever you're afraid of dealing with later this afternoon. So I'm going to suggest that you simply ask your Creator, help me to believe. It takes nothing less than a miracle of God to free us from our doubts. But he will do it. If you ask him, he will do it. And just like Lazarus walked out of the tomb and by the command of Jesus was unbound and freed to, and let go, so will you. You will be unbound and free to participate In the new humanity. And your body. Will see corruption. But your soul will not. And more than that. Your creator. Will restore to you. Your very body. Your creator will restore to us. The community that we lost. Since the fall of humanity. Where we relate to God perfectly. Holistically. And we relate to one another perfectly. And holistically. Those of us who belong to the new humanity that began when Jesus rose from the dead. So that's my encouragement to you today. Many people doubt Jesus and don't trust what God did in him. But I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that it's not true. If you test God and ask him to give you the ability to trust him with the resurrection of Jesus, I promise you, he will give you what you need to believe. Let's pray. Our father, we ask with the same words that that father asked whose son was deeply troubled. and No one through their prayers or their efforts uh, could heal the boy. We ask in the words of that father, I believe but help my unbelief. Lord, I ask for the gift of faith to anyone who has never trusted you. But I also ask for perseverance in faith for those of us who have been walking with you for a le- very long time but still doubt you fill us fill us with the ability to trust you and i ask that you would fill us with this life that jesus has that is that is bound up in him and may that be the foundation of everything we do of our plans of our aspirations and ambitions And may that life be at the center of our relationships. And we ask these things in our Savior's name, the risen Jesus Christ. Amen.